the staff always know to let me preview those things so I don't overreact, and they did let me preview it. But uh, yeah, our Father's Day in show and shine is next Sunday, so two things. Number one, we need volunteers. Now, last year, one of the things that happened was um, uh, we, we took about two hours to get the registrations through, so we couldn't... Um, like it really got boring, I had a car in last year. So we, we desperately need to have lots of volunteers. Sorry, my watch was ringing a phone call. So quit phoning me, whoever it is. Um, but anyway, so if you can go onto our church center app and uh, volunteer, that'd be great. Now we're asking only for a little short time, about an hour, I think. It's only, we're hoping to get the registrations done in half an hour for insurances and stuff like that. And then we're gonna be doing the parade. So do pray that those that come into our parking lot will feel some kind of connection in a good way to our church. So that when the spirit begins to draw, they know where to go. And uh, if you volunteer, pray for yourself lots that you can be literally the arms and feet of Jesus, that your face would glow with his presence. Second thing, next Sunday is um, single services. Now, I'm gonna give you clues throughout the service to remind you, but I, I will start off by saying it's amazing how we fall into our old habits. Now, remember last week I told you that I started moosing my hair to look younger? I forgot this morning to moose my hair. And uh, man, we fall into our old habits. And, and that really is, when, when you were growing up without God, even if you came to Christ at two or three years old, those patterns get so embedded in your soul of what you used to do. And uh, so I'm gonna keep referring to my hair and the lack of gel so that you guys remember about old habits and patterns. <sighs> Let me pray, Heavenly Father, as we go about our service, we wanna just pray for your anointing on the show and shine. Uh, we are doing what we need to do to get things to happen, and uh, it isn't ideal, but we are certainly been drawing out a crowd. We've got great sponsors, and, and God, we do this not for any attention on our church, but so that we can bring attention on you, so that we can build bridges to our community, and that we can honor fathers on Father Days, and, and there's even some ladies I know love with their cars and coming to the show and shine, but but God, would you just use this event for your glory? And as we go to your word to look at um, you, Jesus, transforming our hearts, you, Jesus, helping us and, and giving us this ability to be reconciled and restored and born again. Uh, Lord, if there's somebody watching online or somebody here live in the service, oh God, would, would you help us to understand the scriptures this morning? That, that we would know you, Father. We would be in a relationship with you. Uh, so come, Holy Spirit, speak to us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So let me start with a question, and, and it kind of refers to the habits, the hair, the lack of gel. But let me ask you a question. Are you aware that there's a battle for your mind? Right between years what you think, what's going on in there. And I want to assure you the answer is yes. So Thursday night, uh, weirdly enough, I, I was having trouble sleeping through the pandemic, I guess the changes, the stress, and my sleep has started to return. So I slept so good Thursday night. But I woke up Friday morning, and I'd had this dream, and I'll even call it a bit of a nightmare. 
And the dream was, and I'm not going to say who the person named, but it's an old friend going back to Bible college days. And when I first came here, he was attending this church, and then they moved away. But this old friend had gathered a whole bunch of you, like there was at least 100 of you, and you were doing an intervention on me. And in this dream, this old friend, who, by the way, would never do this. And so either my mind comes up with insecure stuff like crazy, or Satan was playing with me for my thoughts. So the intervention was, you were, you were intervening and confronting me on my character flaws. Things that are a little bit, and I always joke that I'm from Fort St. John and I'm sorry that I'm so blunt, uh, but that's a character flaw. So here in the dream I was being confronted. I wake up and for the next three days, just ask my wife, because I kept bringing it up. I kept saying, like, I know I got character flaws, and I'm trying to work, you know, and I was, it was just haunting me and bugging me, and I was feeling so insecure. So this morning I got up, and the first thing I do is my devotion. So I got my coffee, sat down, and I'm reading my Bible, and these character flaw things start coming up. Now, some of the kind of brought it on is my wife and I were working, painting in the bathroom, and uh, uh, one of my character flaws showed up. That's all I'll say. And, uh, and my wife didn't really react at all to it at all much. And, uh, but it was bugging me. Oh, just like my dream, my character flaws. What am I going to do? So this morning, and uh, like I've been teaching you guys, um, God wants to develop your character. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. So I always write the letter A, and then I ask God a question. So I did that. And what my question was, okay, about my character flaws, what should I do about this, God? It's really bugging me. Because I, I don't like knowing I have these horrible character flaws. I mean, I don't want 100 people from the church doing an intervention. And, uh, and so I said, what do you think, God? And so God actually... And just a little side note, if you're hearing stuff when you talk to God or even in your regular conversations or, or just in your driving and you keep getting these condemning thoughts or, or thoughts that are tearing you down or, or thoughts that are angry or accusing thoughts, those aren't from God. God will convict of sin, don't get me wrong. But when he does that, he invites. And what does he do for you? When you go, yeah, I'm sorry, God, he goes, you're forgiven. That's what the cross is about. You're forgiven. I love you. Let's move on. I mean, that's the way God works. If the stuff like I was going through the last few days, that was Satan. It was very clear to me. So I thought, okay, it, this morning I'm dealing with this stuff, and I'm going through the process. And then I said, okay, God, so this one character flaw came up. So what should I do? And God said, well, first of all, you got to let it go. And I'm like, how do I do that? And a couple of days ago, I had done this other thing where I just lift my hands up and I let go of something. And, I, and I, I remember saying to God this morning, I said, you know, I really don't like that kind of, I'm not a touchy-feely guy. And that was all I could do the other day. And he goes, I don't care. Just put your hands up and let it go. Okay. Left him, lifted him, my character flopped to him. And, uh, and then I go, okay, God, like, how do I grow in this? How do I stop doing this? And he goes, well, you, you started, you chose that you're not going to let this character flaw be in your life. Secondly, you need to grow. And, he, and I said, so how do you do it? And he said, well, you've been teaching people. Memorize some scriptures. So it took me about three minutes to come up with three scripture verses. I haven't started memorizing them yet. But I came up with three scripture verses. 
and uh, I'm going to be working on that. And then, you know, tell somebody about it that you're growing in it and working on it. Obviously, it's going to be my wife. And, uh, and I just felt such relief. I haven't had any of that attack since then. Why do I tell you all this? This is what the sermon's all about. God has invited us into reconciliation. What does that reconciliation mean? It is huge. It's relational. It is not ritualistic, although we we do have to go through and do certain things. We do have to live righteously. Uh, It's being who we are, not trying to become something we aren't, because God has changed you. But if you are in a religious mode, here's a sad thing, all the polling, all the pollsters that are asking questions, and by the way, I have heard two or three people in our church actually say this because we've written you letters, we phoned you guys, and two or three people in our church have said this too. All the polling, all the stuff has said, people have quit going to church and they don't miss it. Can you imagine how that makes me feel? I'm like, what? What? And so it's just been bugging me, and I, and I want you to know that coming to church is not about me. It's about connecting with each other. It's about worshiping Jesus, not about me. And, and I know you want to hear a decent, inspiring message, and hopefully God will give me that. But I just want to say that God is in a relationship with you. And that relationship needs to flow over with each other. We encourage each other. Oh, did I mention I forgot to put gel in my hair? Oh, our habits run deep. And we haven't been in church for over a year and uh, we, we've, obviously, I believe in doing online ministries. We were doing it before the pandemic. And so it is okay that you miss once in a while and watch online. I mean, especially we do series, stuff that builds on each other. But really, we need to be together. We need to be together, worshiping God. Uh, God is a God of peace and love. If he is speaking to you, it is always, always worthwhile um, this week I came across an article that really puts this, kind of sets a tone for the whole message. I edited it down a lot, so you're not getting all of the story. But this story is about a guy, I think his name's Kevin. And uh, he, he wrote this down, and as I read it, I went, man, he's got to be a Christian now. Let me read some of it. I quit alcohol four years ago. My life completely changed. By the time I was 34 years old, I was getting up every day and drinking alcohol. I knew where I could buy the cheapest hard liquor with the highest percentage of alcohol, and no matter where I went, I usually had a mini bottle or two of liquor in my pocket, and the part I cut out is he he said it got so bad, they were out driving, it was in the winter, and his wife was cold, can I borrow your jacket? And he didn't want to give her his jacket because he'd hidden a couple of these alcohol and didn't want her to find out. He goes on to say, I wasn't drinking to escape any real emotional trauma. Despite having been through a lot, my relationship with alcohol got seriously out of control. It was like a switch had been flipped. I reached out to a friend of mine who I knew was in recovery from alcoholism, something I had never done before. You see, When we pray to receive Jesus, we need to repent. We need to admit where we're at. And I will tell you, that's one of the most difficult things you will do is to say to God, if you're not a believer, that I need a Savior. 
to this alcoholic. He was struggling with the exact same thing. The next morning, she took me to a meeting for addicts. In the 12-step program, I learned that stopping on my own is not something that I have the physical or emotional capability of doing. This is where I think maybe he was a Christian by now. It took me about 10 months to get through all the 12 steps, and eventually I chose to put my trust, listen to this, in a higher power. Now, the original AA 12 steps had God, but they've tried to make it so it fit everybody. Something I was taught by the program. I realized that I had been angry about many things in my life all the way from childhood. Part of the program is recognizing that and letting it go. Ooh, perfect. My life now is the life of my dreams, but listen to this. But that has nothing to do with money or possessions. It has to do with freedom, happiness, and joy. I wished I could talk to the guy to find out more of this story. And you might even be asking, well, I don't have a problem with alcohol, but let's be honest, without Jesus, and even after we come to Christ, we always fall back into some old habits, especially if we get pressure points. And I want to encourage you today in this relationship with Jesus to really start exercising it. Not to mention that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you haven't received him, if you haven't said, I am a sinner in need of a savior, I'm hoping today was gonna change all of that. I have come to understand from the Bible that we all fall short, and one way or another, honestly, we all medicate. And you know the language the Bible uses to that is that we get hearts of stone. I started thinking about this whole idea of hearts of stone, and oh, it just really met my mind go really crazy with it, to understand heart of stone, heart of flesh, what's that all about? But I want to start off by reading an old poem or a song that the Alliance sang 150 years ago. Jesus only is our message. Jesus all our theme shall be. We will lift up Jesus ever. Jesus only we will see. Jesus only is our Savior. All our guilt he bore away. All our righteousness he gives us. All our strength from day to day. Jesus only is our sanctifier. Cleansing us from self and sin. And with all his spirit's fullness filling our hearts within. Jesus only is our healer. All our sickness he bears, and his risen life and fullness, all his members still may share. Jesus only is our power. He, the gift of Pentecost, Jesus, breathe thy power upon us. Fill us with your Holy Ghost. And for Jesus, we are waiting, listening for the Advent call, but twill Still be Jesus only, Jesus ever, all in all. If you were to take your Bibles, and you will be in a moment, and read the first three chapters of Genesis, you would find in chapter one and chapter two that God created an incredible, perfect creation, including us, people. 
And then by chapter three, you would start to see the creation in perfection unravel. And as it unraveled, as, as Adam and Eve said that we are as good as God and better than God and we don't need God and we're going to do things our own way, and they began to do stuff that was outside God's will. They, they basically entered into the sin covenant, which the Bible describes we're all born into. We're all sons of Adam and daughters of Adam. And there's consequences to that. There's a life without God. There's no connection with God. There's no relationship with God. Where Adam and Eve used to walk with God in the evening, there no longer is. So along comes the nation of Israel. And let me ask you a question. Where did Israel, where did the individuals, where did the people of Israel connect with God all the time? Eh, they prayed, sure, but really on a personal one-on-one relationship, where did they have to go to be in the presence of God? In the temple in Jerusalem is the answer, if you're wondering. They had to go to the temple. That's where the Holy of Holy was. There was a curtain that separated the, the presence of God from the people. And once a year, the high priest would go in and offer a sin sacrifice for the people. And uh, he, they literally tied a rope on his leg because he if just had one unconfessed sin. One thing he didn't deal with, the theory was, that he would die and they'd have to drag him out. So if you were Jewish, in that day, you would have to go into the one place where God was in Jerusalem in the temple. But I want to say to you, something has changed. And I think about this verse that I'm about to read. It it, it talks about this heart of flesh and heart of stone. And I started thinking that through this week. And I thought, you know, when I I was younger, and you you know, when Jesus talked about children, he always talked about how innocent they were. And, And we are born into sin, and kids are very capable of sin. I figured that out, even as babies. But as we go along, and, and I can remember my heart of flesh or my innocence, my, my purity, my doing the right things, I can remember how that began to change into this really stone cold behavior, justification, doing the wrong things, doing distress. You know, it happens just slowly. It's like the first time mom says don't ever go past this point you do or, or you're a teenager and you have that first drink of alcohol and you get cl- cl- totally pie-faced and, or, or you start doing drugs and that innocence just gets robbed away and, and slowly bit by bit you, you become hard. And in fact, I've seen people that just get so into that cover-up and the world and, the, and the, the, whether they're trying to get an identity of this, the way they dress, the horrible clothes, the way they talk, the swearing, the, the, the drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, And pretty soon this heart of flesh, I mean this heart of stone starts to make sense. You just get, and and if you've ever heard the statement she or he, they just look hard. And it starts to manifest on our face, literally, this, this heart of stone. But Jesus came and he did something on the cross that was so incredible and so in depth, so transformative We have a new way now. We don't need to go to Jerusalem to connect. Listen to Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And what I'll say is give your innocence back. Give your purity back. And I will put my spirit 
spirit in you. Where was the spirit before? In the temple. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, to be careful to keep my laws. Connecting with God, relationship with God, is written all over in that prophecy. So, again, how did people used to connect with God? They went to the temple. They went into the temple. They knew right behind the curtain that was the actual holy of holies. That's where God dwelt. That's pretty literally as much as it was. But this prophecy said something's going to change everything. And in fact, when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, he walks up to the Samaritan. Do you know what a Samaritan woman was? Well, let me describe it. It was a half-breed, half-Jewish, half-other. <laughs> and so the Jews were really into purity. I am a pure Jew. I've been from the tribe of Benjamin or whatever tribe. And I go to the temple all the time. I get to go into the inner temple, the inner courts, and literally where the curtain is, close to the presence of God, and these people are half-breeds. So these half-breeds actually worship God in a different place. So here comes Jesus' encounter. He walks up to the Samaritan woman. He asks for, for a drink of water. The woman is shocked. Like, why would you do this? So listen to the text. John chapter 4, verse 20. And this is the Samaritan woman asking a question. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. To which Jesus replied, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in, listen to this, in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Again, you, you see this renewal, this innocence restored, this incredible thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross and was raised again on the third day. Oh, FYI, uh, we still do worship God in the church, don't get me wrong, but the whole meaning of church, the whole purpose of the temple or the church has changed today. We come together now, if you were to read Romans 12, Ephesians 4, uh, or um, 1 Corinthians 12, you would read that when this spirit has been given in us, when we receive the spirit, you are given gifts, and those gifts are for building up the church. In Ephesians 4, you reach that, read that. And in fact, if you want to grow and mature as a Christian, we need each other. Nobody has all the gifts and everything they need on their own. Yes, we can now actually talk to God, not in Jerusalem, but anywhere, because when you're born again as a Christian, you are born spiritually, and God comes in you. So this is incredible. So third point that I have this morning, uh, Jesus' glorification, what I mean by that, when Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins, when he took the punishment we deserve, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, Jesus' glorification caused a new connection and a source of strength. John chapter seven, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, all this talk of water. If anyone, are you thirsty? I can give you some water. Of course, it's contaminated with my germs. If anyone is thirsty, and it's talking about your soul, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, now I want to say that I believe Romans 1 puts it really clearly, and I believe everybody knows deep in their hearts that they need Jesus. But again, the hardest thing you'll ever do is say that you need help. Whoever believes in me, verse 38, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him or her. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, you might go, well, I know some Old Testament passages where the Spirit was given. Well, there was some limited kind of almost uh, uh, deadline times where people were given the Spirit. Only if you ever had the Spirit their whole lives, it just wasn't something that really happened. But something new happened when Jesus died on the cross. When you prayed to receive Jesus, this Spirit was put in you, and it's like this, this river that's flowing from the inside. You see, this is a complete difference between Christianity and pretty much every religion. Christianity changes you on the inside. It changes your heart of flesh, in, in, or heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So how do you get this new heart? How do you get this stream of living water? How do you activate it? Let's go to Acts chapter two, verse 38. Now this is Peter preaching to the Jews, and, and he basically lays out to them all the shortcomings. It, it would have been like an intervention time. And at the end of this intervention time, the Jews all cry out in one voice, what must we do to be saved? And here's what the answer is. What must we do, in other words, to get this stream of living water? What must we do to be What must we do to get our innocence back? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, don't get hung up on the baptism part. Because that really is, when you, when you study it and look at it, it, it is an outward act of obedience and submission to God. That's what baptism is. And so when you come to Jesus, it can't be just, okay, I, I'm going to have some fire insurance now. I'm going to go to heaven in eternity. No, no, there's some acts of obedience you must do. But repent, that's the tough thing, to say, I need God. I need help. And I can tell you when you have character flaws, the first thing is we cover up, we justify. And again, I'm from Fort St. John after all. We're just like that. That's justification. That's covering it up. We don't have to be like that. Repent. Admit that you have some need. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen, when your sins are forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. Now Jesus tries to explain this new thing that's about to happen to a religious leader named Nicodemus, and that's in John chapter 3. And the religious leader starts to ask him, what must I do to be born again? What must I do to be saved? And he basically says to Jesus, when Jesus said, you must be born again, you must be born spiritually. Nicodemus says, what, I gotta go back in my mother's womb? And here's the answer. Listen to this, verse five. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, 
Here it is, guys. This is how you get the streams of living water. This is how you start this relationship. This is how you get this heart of flesh. This is how you get the innocence return. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now, theologians most think that born of the water is when you're physically born. You know, there's water that comes out. You're floating in water. And then you need to be born of the Spirit. You need to be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And then he goes on to explain, like I said, the most difficult thing you need to do and the most simple thing you need to do For God so loved the world, in verse 16, that he gave his one and only Son. Here's the simple part. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And honestly, the most difficult part is the repenting part, saying, I need a Savior. I mean, you can't believe in Jesus. You really can't receive what he has unless you admit that I need him. I need to be changed. This is so hard in our pride and our sin. So let me ask you, do you want your heart renewed? Do you want your innocence restored? And the difficulty comes in when you become a follower of Jesus, you go through this euphoric, oh, some people a month, a year, two years, but honestly, um, you still have to eat, you still have to wear clothes, you still have to drive a car, you still have to have a job. And I can tell you, one of the things that keeps happening in my life is Jesus should be number one. He's the source. He's the river of life. He's where I get my peace and patience. He's the one I go to about everything. He's the one I get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee with for my marching orders. But what happens is pretty soon the car I have, I start to really, or the job brings me so much fulfillment, or or I'm feeling really insecure, or I'm feeling like I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I need some money. This pandemic's just been overwhelming, and pretty soon we we start to flip something else up in Jesus' place. And I have to be reminded myself over and over every week, put Jesus back there. That's where your joy, that's where your peace, that's where all these springs of living water that come from the inside of you are gonna come. It's not some external thing. As a student in school, I was probably the world's great, how many teachers are here? Oh, I have none this morning, just a few. There's a few. Don't you love my grammar and my English? I mean, I beg them, when you put it up, please fix it, because I know I'm bad at it. I've gotten so much better. I was the world's great. I worked so hard to get 50% in my classes. I did what I had to do and nothing more. It was amazing when I went to college. I actually really enjoyed college, so I started to get some decent and good marks. I started to be a student. So I was the world's greatest underachiever. And thinking about that, just this morning I was thinking, you know A.W. Tozer that I quote all the time? Did you know A.W. Have you ever read anything? Anybody read anything? Well, you did. If you've been in the service, you read stuff by A.W. Isn't he profound, insightful, prophetic? I mean, he cuts to the heart. He died in 1961. We're still quoting the guy. He had two honorary doctorates because he was so, he had no high school education. He never went to university, never went to college. And yet when he got his heart right with God, 
when he started experiencing those rivers of living waters from the inside out, his whole life changed. I told you last week about my, oh, I don't know, it was about six, eight months of backslidden life in grade 12, and, and how I couldn't even look in the mirror. I felt like I had no friends anymore. And I realized Anthony, on his own, isn't much. I've never, once in a while I might get deluded just for a moment and then I'm reminded I'm nothing. But Anthony with Jesus, A.W. Tozer with Jesus, you fill in your name with Jesus. Rivers will flow out from the inside of you. Now, if you're watching online or you're here and you've never believed and received Jesus, I want to tell you today, there's no better day than right now to do this. It's hard like this guy, this alcoholic guy. He had to admit, he had to reach out, he had to say, okay, I need help. Honestly, this heart of stone, are you happy with that? The excuses you've been making in your sin or, or the way you've been living or the anger that you have or the character flaws you're doing, wouldn't you like a relationship with Jesus? And if you're a follower of Jesus and your life, and, and maybe if we phoned you or wrote, you'd say, actually, I haven't been going to church and I don't miss it. And I go might say something about our church being pathetic, but I think it says way more than that. It means you don't even know or realize the streams inside of you that would give you life and joy and peace, your innocence restored. I've been so proud of the rising above people that come to our church. They were at rock's bottom. Some of you are there as Christians. And I just want to implore you, beg you, start dipping into that well. Start swimming in that river inside of you. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. You don't need to go to the conference here or there. I mean, they're great, and I like going to them. What you need is you need to spend some time with God, reading your Bible, and listening. Some mornings I write Anthony and I ask a question and I write G to see what God's going to say and I hear nothing. Next morning I come back at it. I've come to realize it's usually me, the problem, never God. He always wants to speak to me. Sometimes the silence he gives me because I need it. But if you haven't received Jesus yet, I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to pray for you Christians to be renewed to dip in those streams of living water again. And this is about the eighth sermon in a row I've been asking this. And every week, God keeps bringing me back this. Somebody's not listening. Please start listening. I don't want to do this anymore. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, there's a room full of people. There's people watching online on Eastlink. And they're from all over the world, I understand, God. Even as I got an email this week from Southern BC, somebody that used to attend here, and they've so been enjoying the music and the preaching that our church still does to this day, Lord. Oh, thank you. And the comment was made that something seems to be changed in you, Pastor Anthony. And I know what that is, God. I have learned so much better to dip into the streams 
to hear your voice, to be led by your spirit, to, to get good directions for my character flaws. And you draw us gently and lovingly. You don't accuse. And Satan loves to just throw the book at us. He is accuser of the brethren. And lots of us are experiencing that. We're feeling low. We're feeling down. Oh, God, may today, even this afternoon, may we go dip in those waters. And if there's somebody here today listening online or live in this service, and they go, hey, I need Jesus, and they're ready. I just want them to quietly in their mind repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I need a savior. I need forgiveness for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus, that you came and lived on this earth, died a death you didn't deserve, to take the punishments for my sin. And on the third day you rose again. And I received that beautiful gift of salvation, of reconciliation, of transformation, of a stone turned into flesh. I receive that. <laughs> I want to be born again. I want to be born spiritually. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed to receive Jesus today, go to our uh, app, uh, Church Center app, and just let us know. We'd like to help you along in your journey. And, uh, and if you're a follower of Christ and this stuff is like, yeah, I know this stuff, good. Then start living it. Start experiencing him. I told you last week, Church Renewal, the church that started it in Southland, or in Steinbeck, they started to discover as they began to teach this stuff more and more, model it, and, and take people through hearing God and set free, and we have soul care. They noticed when their kids were going to university, they weren't sucked in anymore. Why? Because they had a relationship with the God. They were dipping in the waters. If your soul is convoluted and upset, oh, let me challenge you to dip in the waters.